Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Vets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast brought to you by BetMGM. This is the Group of Five Deep Dive. I'm your co-host, Mike Calabrese, joined as always by the Action Network's Mike Ionello. And a reminder to our audience to follow us over on the Action app at BBOC G5 Deep Dive. I know that's a lot, but just put in BBOC in the search and we're going to pop up. It's going to track every one of our bets. It's going to label it individually. Our best bets, our G5 High Five, and our underdog Moneyline Parlay. As easy as can be to follow along for all of your Saturday plays. All right, Ionella, let's jump right into it. We have a lot to unpack from a stun belt Saturday. Forget the fun belt, forget the sun belt. Don't let the latest come between you and the belt. Three Sun Belt East teams, stunning Power Five programs. Down goes AM, down goes Notre Dame, down goes Nebraska and Scott Frost in the wake of that. What are your thoughts on the best division in, in all of football? Let's just call it what it is. Right now, they're riding high and it's all well deserved. You're stealing my thunder a little bit, so we'll just jump right into it. My G5 Hero of the Week is the Sun Belt Conference. 4.1. 4.1 million dollars at the Sun Belt Conference three teams earned to go in there and beat down Power 5. App State got $1.5 million to go into College Station, knock off Texas A&M. Marshall got one, paid $1.2 million to go to the South Bend, beat Notre Dame. And Clay Helen and Georgia Southern got $1.4 million on top of the, whatever, what was it, $17 million that Scott Frost's buyout. This was a very expensive weekend in Lincoln, Nebraska. Time to take a bigger bite out of this cord stock. And on top of that, now we're getting Troy versus App State for college game day in Boone. 
Anyone who watched that North Carolina App State game knows Boone was rocking. It's going to be just as loud this week as the Stun Belt. They are my G5 heroes of the week. I think that makes total sense. I'm going to double click into that and go with Lamborghini Laburn, the running back for Marshall. Listen, we were big on the potential of Marshall to not only make noise in the Sun Belt, but to win it outright during our G5 preview series back in August. But obviously, Rasheen Ali gets put on the shelf for personal reasons, although he is back back. this week. He's back, baby. So maybe this Marshall team can take it the distance and go undefeated. But once he was you know, put to the side, I figured, okay, with Henry Columbia coming in from Tech, they're probably not going to be that dynamic in the passing game. I need to rein back in those expectations. Not on Layburn's watch. 168 total yards and a touchdown against Notre Dame. He gave them just enough to pair with an excellent pass defense. That pick six late in the game is going to be one of those highlights that gets played forever in Huntington, West Virginia. So just an incredible weekend to be on Marshall. Charles Huff, you know, the Nick Saban coaching protege, putting himself in line to be that next group of five coach that gets plucked and gets a power five job. I'm really happy for him. And I'm excited about what's to come in the Sun Belt because this is going to be an absolute battle. I think there's going to be some surprise upsets. The East is so deep. It, it's not a situation where Marshall and App State are going to cakewalk to, you know, a one loss or an undefeated Sun Belt season. So a lot of fun stuff to get into. Speaking of fun stuff, best bets. The hyperbole is done. Now we can finally play the game. It's always fun when you win, and we've been crushing our bets, best bets this season. So let's get started with you. Who is your top play in week three? How the hell is North Texas the underdog at UNLV? I mean, UNLV is better, but I don't understand how North Texas is the dog here. Uh, Colin Wilson's power ratings make North Texas a six-and-a-half-point favorite on a neutral field. So even if you give UNL, you know, two-and-a-half, like, okay, they're still like a five, four or five-point favorite. Um, SP Plus makes North Texas a two-point favorite. Like I said, UNLV's better, but they were 2-10 last year. Their only wins were to New Mexico and Hawaii. Doug Bremfield won the starting job at a camp. He played like just three games last year, dealt with injuries. Um, he's got five touchdowns and one interception on the year, but most of that came against Idaho State. Last week against Cal, he was 18-33 with a touchdown and a pick. Kind of just a blab performance. And then North Texas crushed UTEP, which we were on. They crushed Texas Southern. They lost to an SMU team that threw it all over the yard on them but like you know we can't do that what i'm really you know excited about this mean green team is they've kind of shown through the three games that they can do it in different ways they're deep and they're versatile game one was the austin on show talked about him a bunch 29 years old that's not a joke that's not the you know typical old college football he's actually 29 years old his birthday was two weeks ago he turned 29 um he spread the ball all over the uh field game one at four running backs with at least six carries eight different players caught a pass game two on he struggled but oscar attaway kind of had his break back game after injury he had over 100 yards game three ao he had over 100 yards and attaway also added two touchdowns all this team does is hit home runs in the run game they returned four offensive linemen and they have four stud backs a day and attaway are fourth and fifth in the conference in yards per game North Texas is 17th in the entire country in rushing play explosiveness. A day is so fast. And then UNLV is 120th in the nation at defending rushing explosiveness. A defense, they don't allow big plays. UNLV is just 95th in the country in rushing after losing Charles Williams, who was the school's all-time leading rusher. So I think North Texas is just going to have such a big advantage when they have the ball. They're going to hit home run after home run on this defense. And I think their defense has shown enough. I think it'll be better than it has looked. 
and I should be able to limit UNLV from keeping up big plays. I think North Texas should be favored in this game. Honestly, I was going to make them my money line underdog pick, um, but I just liked it too much to do that. So I'm just going to make it my best bet. I like them as my best bet plus three. I wouldn't hate a little money line pick as well. I'm with you there. I do think UNLV, particularly in their receiving core, is one of the most improved units in the entire G5 universe this year. That being said, I do think you have to throw out that game against SMU for North Texas. SMU is light years better through the air than UNLV is. And in terms of game control and game flow, North Texas is going to be able to run the ball. They're not going to have to change their their game plan whatsoever to account for a, a difficult UNLV defense. So I'm with you. I think, you know, if this was a G5 game where there was a significant home field advantage, maybe this would be a stay away for me. But they, they play in the Raiders' home field. You know, they'll probably get 12,000 people there. It's not going to be a crazy environment. It's certainly not going to be like what we saw with UTSA in the opener against Houston, where, you know, they, they pack a, a former pro stadium. D- just not going to see that kind of impact um, from a home field advantage perspective. So I'm with you there. I've been playing a lot of unders thus far this year, kind of like biding my time. Nothing feels, you know, sharper than nailing an under by two touchdowns, 10 points, but it's work, you know, and unders work is never done. Even if you get that scoreless first quarter, you got to watch the whole game. You got to avoid those special teams and non-offensive touchdowns and kind of grinding it out. So I'm going to treat myself here with an over, over 74 Fresno state USC. In my opinion, this is an over better stream, this game. I mean, I won't belabor the point when it comes to USC's offense. They're super dynamic. Cal Williams already second nationally in QBR. Jordan Addison's pulling his best Chris Carter impersonation. All he does is catch touchdowns for TDs through two weeks. The running game really got going against Stanford. Travis Dye went for over 100 and a TD. But where I zero in on this is USC's defense has been buoyed by eight turnovers, which is absurd. You just can't rely on four turnovers a game. But that's what they've been getting, and it's masking the fact that everyone's running on them. Stanford ran on them. Rice's running backs ran for 5.6 yards per carry. When you remove the quarterback sacks, they had 152 rushing yards. That's not good. And that is not good against a Fresno team. We'll get into what Hayner in the passing game bring to the table. Jordan Mims is probably the best running back in the Mountain West Conference. He's better than Ronnie Rivers was. Absolutely better. Ronnie Rivers was, you know, uh, obviously a Swiss Army knife. They used him in the return game and out of the backfield, throwing him passes. But from a pure running back situation, just turn turn around, hand the ball to him. Mims has been great. And I think what's going to happen moving forward in this game is it becomes a pick-your-poison situation. Moreno, Cropper, Kelly, Pope, Nico, Remigio, all these guys are matchup problems. And USC left a lot of the middle of the field downfield passing. Tanner McKee wasn't exactly able to take full advantage of it. But watching that game, it was clear that USC was vulnerable. So when I look at all these offensive players on the, on the table here and a Fresno team that gave up 35 points last week to Oregon State, 74 doesn't scare me off at all. I would play this up to 77. I think we're in store for an incredible game in Los Angeles, one of the top games of the week, you know, late kickoff at 1030, but I'm going to go ahead with the over there. Yeah, the, the high number definitely has made me nervous. I haven't played it yet. I probably will. This is a game we talked about in the offseason. I'm definitely scared of the number, but I'll probably take it. It's going to be a fun game. And before we move on here on the Big Bets on Campus podcast, here's Stucky with a word from our sponsor, BetMGM. As a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, 
Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. The rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Let's get into our G5 high five, and I'll mention my first pick here. The G5 high five. Should we high five? High five! SMU Maryland's. So the total is set at 74. I like over, and it's because I watched all of Charlotte and Maryland's on purpose, tracked it down on stadium, streamed it for free. Oh, man, where do I begin here? Uh, Talia Tangevaloa is incredible. He's coming off his best game in college. But zeroing in on their defense, who actually did a nice job in week one against Buffalo, they were playing a Charlotte team on a third-string quarterback. They actually ended up playing a fourth-string quarterback in this game. They almost threw for 300 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks. Maryland was unable to get pressure on them. That's bad news against an SMU passing attack led by Tanner Mordecai. Rice on the perimeter. These guys are going to eat in this game. It's going to be who has the ball last. And from a tempo perspective, I think they're both going to play quick. They want to get in rhythm. 74, once again, you know, having really held back from some of these high totals this year, I'm ready to go all in here on week three on some of these high numbers. Over Terps, Mustangs, kind of perfect weather conditions in College Park on Saturday night. I'll be honest, I bet this over two days ago, three days ago. Uh, I got it at 69 and a half. I guess that would be my only reason not to bet 74 is because I already have 69. Nice. Um, I will touch more about this game coming up. All right. How about your first addition to our G5 high five? I'm taking it over too. Let's let's keep the shootout going. This is kind of a gross one. It didn't work last week. I think we got a voicemail about how much someone hates Dana Holgerson, but I'll go ahead and back him again. Dana Holgerson, this dude is a certified dip. I'm taking over 56 and a half in Kansas at Houston. Not to be spoiler alert, do you know who leads the nation in scoring? The Kansas Jayhawks. Yeah, they do. Now is their time. It's like 2007 all over again. 55 and a half points per game. They are fourth in the country in offensive success rate. You know, Jalen Daniels isn't the most explosive passer, but he's completing 70% of his passes this season. And he is an explosive runner. And him, Daniel Hishaw, Devin Neal, they're all averaging over 50 yards per game on the ground this year. Kansas is seventh in the country in rush play explosiveness. They have scored, and they have scored quickly. I love Leibold. I love what he does with his teams. I love how quickly he turns them around. And he's very good at finishing in the red zone, which is something Kansas has been good at this year. On the flip side, Houston, they allowed 441 total yards to UTSA. Kansas defense was last in the country in EPA per play last season. They just allowed 501 yards and 355 yards passing to West Virginia. Is JT Daniels even good? I don't know, but he torched this Kansas defense. 
Houston lost a ton on defensive line. We talked about that a lot. But one thing we really, I feel like, haven't talked about enough is, and we've seen it, is the loss of cornerback Marcus Jones. Huge loss on that secondary because they have been torched through the air. They've allowed 688 passing yards in two games. They've allowed 31 pass plays of 10 yards or more. Only five teams in the country have allowed more. You know, Panthers doesn't have the most dynamic passing attack, but if they can get a couple big plays to the passing game, Houston's offense is going to keep doing what they've been doing. Over 56 and a half. Again, Kansas is averaging 55 a game themselves. Give me the Kansas Houston over 56 and a half. And I agree with you. I'm glad you brought up Jones in the secondary. Doug Belk, we've sung his praises, but it is not looking so good in that uh, in that secondary for Houston. And there's not a lot you can do. They can't bring in anybody in the portal. You are what you are at this point. So they are going to get, you know, havoc plays. They're going to be able to get a pass rush on Kansas in this game. But I think you can pretty much bank on Kansas scoring 28. And then at that point, it becomes very realistic for, for Houston to pull its weight and push this thing over. All right, I'm going to go with my first side of the day here. I'm going to go with the Roadrunners plus 11 and a half at Texas in just a primo letdown spot. You couldn't have burned any more emotional capital than Longhorns did against the Crimson Tide. They also lose Quinn Ewers at least for six weeks. You know, Card is also banged up, laying double digits at home. I can guarantee you, UTSA fans have wanted to play Texas since they jumped up into this level of football. You, you know they're going to travel from San Antonio and have some kind of presence at, you know, uh, DK Royal Stadium. So all of this being said, I'm on the Roadrunners here. I'm a little bit nervous just because Frank Harris has been tremendous. They're averaging 38 points a game, 6-1 to one touchdown interception ratio. The receiving core, you know, we are all about these guys. Zachary Franklin is not the only one at this point, but he's the one leading the, the way. But this defense just gave up 304 passing yards to Army. Just for perspective, in the COVID year, Army was able to sneak in 12 games. They threw for 537 yards all season. So to give up 300 yards to armies, kind of like giving up 900 yards in a single game defensively through the air. I just had this feeling situationally that this is a perfect spot for UTSA, having bounced back from their overtime loss against Houston, getting an overtime win against Army. I said earlier in the season, I thought they would go two and one out of the gate. So I'm going to need them to upset the Longhorns here, but they have the offense to do it. And if it's a slow, sleepy start for Sarkeesian's bunch, I think this is the kind of G5 veteran team to take advantage of it. What are your thoughts on the Roadrunners making the uh, the short cross state trip to Austin? Yeah, I agree with you. I definitely love the spot. Um, I feel like I'm more concerned about UTSA as a whole than I was at the start of the year, just given their defense has looked really bad, which is concerning. We thought McCormick would be the big loss, but... I mean, like, they haven't really, it's not like they're running the ball any, you know, I haven't really noticed that. It's more the defense to me is an issue. Um, but we talked about, I don't, I, I'm trying to think of it like off the top of my head. I don't know that there's a player in the country over the last like three years. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe uh, Clayton Toon, who's more improved than Frank Harris has been over the last three years. I mean, he has gone from a legitimate liability to like carrying that team on his back. He you was could, simply the guy who handed the ball off to Sincere McCormick. And now he, he's a guy who will finish top 10 in QBR in the entire country. He was one of those quarterbacks that every game, it's like, as long as, you know, Frank Harris doesn't turn the ball over or make any mistakes, they're going to win. Now it's like, as long as Frank Harris can drag this team and outscore their opponent. So I, I, I do love Frank Harris. I like getting those points. How about your next pick to add on to our high five? I'm going to lay the points uh, with Memphis against Arkansas State. Anyone listen to our, our previews with Colin before the season knows all three of us hate Arkansas State. I faded Memphis against Mississippi State. 
But last week, we kind of got the Memphis Tigers that we expected, especially on off- offense. Heading in was 34, 24-34, 415 yards, two touchdowns. We talked about how would they replace Calvin Austin. Gabriel Rogers, Javon Ivory, Joseph Cicades, Eddie Lewis, Javon Ducker, all of them had catches over 25 yards last week. Memphis is fourth in the country in explosiveness, which is something we thought they'd lose without Austin, and they really haven't. Arkansas State is 128th at defending explosiveness. They just give up big plays like it's their freaking job. They finished last season 129th in total defense. They returned just two starters on defense. I don't have many stats to ramble off here because it's kind of hard to use many of Arkansas State stats from this season because they, they, they absolutely pumped Grambling week one. Then they got crushed by Ohio State. So neither of those are like real data points because, you know, every team would get trashed by Ohio State and then every team would beat Grambling. So I'm not really going to just go and listen to all these stats. But again, do listen to our previews. We think Arkansas State stinks. I like Memphis. I think this defense should pick apart Arkansas State and have big play after big play. And I think they're going to run it up. And I think they're going to do it quickly. So I'll lay 14 with Memphis. I think they, they win by three touchdowns. I like this little exercise preseason when there's a team that we are laser focused in on being bad and potentially fading them throughout the year. I like to go through and set the hypothetical point spread for the first six games with my hope being that they play better than expected in the games that I'm not necessarily playing. I had this one as three touchdowns. So the fact that they lay a huge number on Grambling and then play a competitive you know, first 20 minutes against Ohio State and kind of hang around Ohio State for whatever reason, has a little bit of issues in terms of their play calling. I, I still don't think they're giving Henderson the ball enough. But because of that, I think there's at least three or four. I would stretch it all the way to seven points where the value baked in here. So I really like that play. And I think this is the opportunity because I believe they finished the month against Old Dominion. Um, so this is probably the one of, if not the last time, to get a really good number fading Arkansas State. All right, I'm going to jump in. It's over week. Going to go with another over here. 61 and a half, UCF FAU. From a fantasy perspective, I was watching Central Florida and John Rice Plumley really struggle to get anything going against Louisville last week on Friday night. But having watched that game, two long touchdowns called back totally changes the complexion of the game. And I think that has artificially reduced this number because when you look at these two offenses, between Plumley and Javon Baker, uh, an Alabama transfer, they have a really good connection that has continued. He's averaging 17 yards per reception. And then on the FAU side, The Owls are cooking offensively, 41 points per game, 530 yards. That's ninth nationally. And when I think about exactly what I'm getting on the FAU side of the ball, Nikosi Perry and LaJonte Wester are a really good connection, but their running game has picked it up. This is a team that I thought would be, you know, struggling, you know, that drive to six, try to get to bowl eligibility, having to win some shootouts. But now they're 22nd nationally with 232 yards per game on the ground. They they kind of do it running back by committee. They also get Perry involved in the running game a little bit. I think there's just a lot to like for either one of these teams scoring north of 30 points on their own. So 61 and a half, I think, is generous. My projections here have it at 66 and a half. So I'm going to go ahead and play this one. I think it's a bounce back spot. It was a weird play call game for UCF. Malzahn was really, really conservative. There were two drives into Auburn territory in the first half where he punted on a fourth and manageable. Didn't really make a whole lot of sense given his his track record of being aggressive and, and playing fast. And on top of everything else, with a running quarterback where the numbers can work in short yardage situations on quarterback draws, leads, you know, uh, RPO kind of stuff. So I think they're going to get that corrected with the extra time. They have, you know, two days of extra prep for this one. I like over 61 and a half. 
is is there anything that I'm missing? Defensively, wasn't impressed with the you know the Knights, the Owls definitely haven't given me any extra on defense to think that they can hold them under 28 points. Is there anything I'm missing here in this Sunshine State battle? I very much toyed with playing this under. Um, oh, okay. You know, watching the the UCF Louisville game last week, you know, Pony is so dynamic with his legs, and he showed that, but he just looked so bad passing the ball last week. 16 to 34, he had 131 yards passing on 34 attempts. No touchdowns, one pick. I don't know. I think these are two teams that are better when they run the ball, and I don't think their defenses are both that bad. So lean the under, but I didn't want to play it against you, obviously. We can't see eye to eye. There ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me. All right, so that wraps up our G5 High Five to run through it quickly. The over in the SMU Maryland game, 74. Roadrunners catch it 11.5 at Texas. UCF FAU over 61.5. Kansas Houston over 56.5. And and Memphis laying 14 at our favorite team to fade here on the program, Arkansas State. Now we finish it up with the underdog money line parlay of week three. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. Mine is a little bit spicier now that I'm, I'm seeing it. I'm, I'm hearing it in my ear from our producer, Matt Mitchell. Just came across my desk, who you have here. Let's get started with your Moneyline edition. Yeah, you kind of teased it. I'm going with SMU. I'm taking SMU plus 145 at Maryland. Who do you think is the best quarterback on the field? Mordecai in this game because I saw him play better throughout conference season last year where Talia was Mr. Non-Conference. I think he was like 10 to one touchdown interception ratio last September. He absolutely shred Charlotte last week, but then he crashed down to earth in, in conference play. Not that this is a conference game, but I do think the level of competition has taken a step up. So I'll go with Mordecai to answer your question. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Mordecai is the best quarterback in this game. You know, he had 644 yards, seven touchdowns in just one pick in two games. You know, Tagovailoa has the yards, but he's just got four touchdowns, two picks this year. Last year, Mordecai was fifth in the country with 39 touchdown passes. Only Bailey Zappi, shout out Zap God, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Kenny Pickett, add more. He's got Rasheed Rice back, who's ridiculous. He has 17 catches. He's third in the country with 298 yards, three touchdowns. The SMU defense has looked really good. They're just, and then they're 30th in havoc. They create a ton of pressure. And the Maryland offensive line is 117 at preventing havoc. Talia is under pressure. He is so bad. You know, SMU's defense is currently 14th in success rate against the run. They're 32nd against the pass. And, you know, Maryland's defense has been really good, but they've also played Buffalo and Charlotte, two teams that can't throw the ball at all. You mentioned it against Charlotte. They played their backup and third string quarterback. And they gave up almost 300 yards and three touchdowns passing to those two guys. So this is going to be a high-scoring shootout. This game is going to be who has the ball last. So I'll take a shot that SMU has the ball last. I think they have a better quarterback here. And if they get the ball last, they're going to win. So give me SMU with the plus 145 price. I think it's priced right. I'm glad that you're adding that in. Maryland's defense gives me pause. And I do think that they can lose in a shootout here. So I think there's plenty of value. I'm going to go for a bigger swing. And I'm going to set the stage here. You just won the second biggest game in school history. College game day is coming to your campus in G5 land. Everyone everyone is patting App State on the back. These guys can't lose. These guys are going to New Year's Six. 
Chase Bryce is, you know, the toast of the town. Let me tell you, Chase Bryce has played two games in the last two weeks. Played North Carolina, looked like a world beater. Had the best, you know, career season. You know, he had an entire season's worth of sets in one game. Better than he did in his entire transfer year at Duke. Then he comes back to A&M. Game manages it, doesn't turn the ball over. 15 for 30, 134 yards, one touchdown. That's the Chase Bryce I know. He's walking in to a game that is screaming letdown spot against a Troy team that may be the second or first best defense in the Sun Belt, depending on how they come together for the rest of the year. They pluck Sheil Wood, defensive coordinator from Army, as their new defensive coordinator. His defense last year for Army finished 16th in total D. 39th against the pass, which is a huge accomplishment at Army. And I'll tell you what, Troy looked really good against Jackson Dart in the opener. Basically had them throw out their their you know game plan and just go purely to the run game. They were able to outmuscle them. In this situation, John Summerall, another defensive mind, he's the head coach here at Troy. They brought him over from Kentucky for games just like this. This is going to be a low-scoring, mucked-up football game, and all of the pressure in the world is on App State. And probably, you know, for 19, 20 year old kids, the first quarter is going to be them thinking about how good they are. And Troy, this is a, a Super Bowl opportunity for them to play with the national spotlight and to, to really come out guns blazing against a team that has taken up all the oxygen in the Sun Belt. I'm on Troy plus 375 here. I've also taken them plus the points. But I think if, you know, in the history of the Sun Belt, You've seen this before. Teams either break through the top 25 or get some big non-conference wins and then get humbled in conference play because this is an incredibly deep conference. I like Troy here. Hopefully their offense can you know put up their end of the bargain because defensively, whether it's Carlton Marshall, they have some really nice pass rushers as well. They have a lot of experience. They had seven starters back. I think they get this done and kind of shock the world and bring the Nears back to earth. Yeah, I mean, I, I was stunned when you went with that. I don't hate it, though. I'll be honest, I don't hate it. It's another one where, you know, there's a reason this is a money money line underdog parlay because we're just, you know, college football, man. Like we saw last week, we're throwing darts with teams that I'm not going to sit here and say I think Troy does win. But I agree with you. I think they could. You know, Gunnar Watson's looked really good. He he He's kind of had a weird career where he was the starter. Then he lost his job. Then he reclaimed it halfway through the year. Um they bring in Jared Dagey like right before camp, but Watson holds on to the job and he's played really well. He, he had, you know, 275 yards against Ole Miss. He threw for 350 yards last week. He he's playing like a guy who knows there's a P five transfer sitting right behind him. Granted, I mean, Troy cannot run the ball at all. They're one of the worst running teams in the nation. Um, so I don't love one dimensional teams like that, but you mentioned it. There's so much pressure on app state. I don't hate it at all. I was on Green Dot Daily. The show goes live at noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. I did advocate for Troy plus the points here. So if you're feeling a little bit squeamish and you don't want to go out on a limb with us, although I will say it's just shy of 11 to 1, the parlay uh, for our underdog, putting those two together over at BetMGM. But if you want to go ahead and take the points, we're not going to call you a coward for doing that, particularly playing on the road at Kid Brewer in Boone. You know, shout out to Davo Swinney, you know, BYOG, bring your own guts situation. Feel free to take the points. You don't have to necessarily get get in the underdog parlay my, boat with my, us. My underdog is covered two weeks in a row. Hasn't I haven't won any of them, but Northern Illinois got that cover last week. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts. All right, so it's time for a quick recap here of all of our plays. For our best bets, Ionello is on North Texas plus three. I like Fresno State USC over 74. 
our G5 high five running through a whole bunch of overs. SMU Maryland over 74, Houston, Kansas over 56 and a half, UCF FAU over 61 and a half. In terms of the sides, we like one underdog, UTSA plus 11 and a half at Texas. And then finally, Memphis laying 14 against Arkansas State. So to close up the podcast here, a reminder to our audience that you can catch us every single week here and then stay tuned to the Big Bets on Campus podcast because Stucky and Colin Wilson are right behind us. We also have all of our plays on the Action app, so you can go ahead and follow us over at BBOC G5 Deep Dive, tracking every single bet in real time throughout the weekend. And then on Saturday morning, Colin, Stucky, uh, Brett McMurphy, a whole cast of characters doing our Big Bets on Campus live show. A great way to wrap up all of those last minute adjustments in terms of injuries, in terms of line movement. It's can't miss programming there. And speaking of Brett McMurphy, Stucky and Colin, a brand new program debuting for us on Tuesdays. It's the new BCS discussing everything happening in the world of college football, not just the betting angles, player news, coaching news. It's really can't miss programming. So make sure to slide that into your weekly lineup. So Ainello, any final thoughts in the wake of Stun Belt Saturday? Well, maybe we'll be talking about, you know, Mac Mayhem or the the Conference USA chaos. I love when the G5 teams get paid to come in and ruin a team's entire fall. And then finally, any other games you had your eye on that did not quite make the cut here? I'll be honest, was very close to laying the points with Rutgers, minus 17 and a half against Temple. Didn't have the balls to do it. I think Temple's trash. Are back to our boys, Western Kentucky, getting six and a half against Indiana. Don't hate that at all. The Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, the pride of the Commonwealth. I don't think Indiana's really good, and I think Western Kentucky can hang with them. They're good enough on offense, I think. You know, you love Austin Reed. I think he's looked pretty good. I think he can hang with Indiana. Western with an extra week to prepare for that Indiana game. I, I think they're going to be a live dog there. But for Mike Ainello on Mike Calabrese, this has been Big Bets on Campus Podcast and the Group of Five Deep Dive. Thank you so much for joining us and best of luck on Saturday. Yeah.